Welcome back to Everything All at Once, the podcast where we blend the chaotic life of our early 20s with some of the psychology behind it. Today, we're going to be discussing what is romanticizing, why do we romanticize certain aspects of life, and how does romanticization impact academic culture and learning, everything about romanticization, all up next, but first, you know the drill, some life updates. Well, So far, I've been at BU one week and it's been great, but also you'd think I was in California because the most underrated college struggle, nowhere. I don't know if the fan that's pressed against my face is coming on the mic. I don't know if the literal highway behind me is coming on the mic, but you know, after a long day of trying to get some sort of work done hitting the ground running some might say i'm doing um aka trying to reteach myself ap calc because i'm in advanced calc for absolutely no reason i'm supposed to just remember it all because everybody who's in that calc came from calc one but i didn't take it there anyways so many transfer issues from uci not even gonna get into that because it's just too frustrating uh i'm so sick of the heat yeah let's get back to that i'm sweating i'm sweating in my apartment I went to go walk by the Charles River to, you know, cool off. No, absolutely not any better, if not worse. I came back from my maybe 20-minute walk, sweating my ass off, and said, you know, I can't. I simply cannot walk anymore. And I moved in kind of early, right? 28th, 29th, nobody had really moved in yet. All of a sudden, the first day of school, it's like a flux of kids. And it's very intimidating. And you know what? I am not one to dress to impress, but this year I've been putting in the work, aka putting on a new set of earrings and two rings and one bracelet every day with some sort of outfit that's not a sweatshirt because it's too hot, but like a sweat tank top or something casual, really trying to make my mark. You could say I'm doing that or you can say I'm just sweating my ass off. Either way, good with me. Yeah, moving in, that was great. I think I touched on that a little bit last week. Go listen to that episode if you haven't. I feel pretty settled here. I sort of know the gist. I had an issue with Blue Bike the other day. I biked back from my friend's dorm, and I thought the bike locked. Turns out it didn't, and I was charged an additional almost $100. Called the company three times, so safe to say I won't be getting my money back. And I hate being rude to customer service, but... I was at the point where they just like were not listening to me at all and I hate I hate being that person like I'm not one to send food back I'll just take it I'm not the one to complain when the tickets aren't in the right seat when somebody missed a direction or two you know what I'll sit back it's fine this no because I didn't realize that much money was just out the drain down the toilet Moving in also brought in a lot of a lot of moving parts. <laughs> moving in brought a lot of moving parts, uh, including basically furnishing a condominium. Now, when I read my floor plan, it didn't look like there were two rooms, but there are. And I absolutely love my roommate this year. I absolutely love her. Could not have been a better match. Thank you to the randomization system. I don't know if that was random because she's also Italian, but very, very grateful. What was I going to say? Yeah, 
I just find it so funny, the difference between a girl's dorm and a guy's dorm. A guy's dorm, it's like they have five things. Their mom buys them the essential toilet paper, paper towels, whatever, they leave. Me, I needed a habit tracker. I needed a desk lamp. I needed 80 mirrors. I needed something to hold the numerous products I've accumulated over my back recovery. I needed eight pieces of wall decor minimum. I needed bins. I needed an area rug. I needed an area lamp. I needed a yoga mat. You name it. I got it. I got a garment rack because I'm making the place feel like home, okay? And I think, guys, if you're listening, because I I know males listen to this, I know that for a fact because I checked, do better. Make your room more inviting. Girls will want to come over if it doesn't look navy blue and depressing and smell like Axe. Girls will want to come. Not just, you know what? If anything, it'll make them want to invite you more because they're like, oh, you're, you're clean, got a nice vibe in here very homey i would like to invite you into my home and vice versa not if i come in there and it's like i see a trash can overflowing the wall is bare your bed is like half made and the sheets the sheets they've been through it okay i'm not gonna want to go back nor do i want to invite you over to my apartment that is so clean, so pristine, so aesthetically pleasing to look at, so homey, because you won't appreciate it. So that's just a word of advice. And speaking of blue bikes, transition's a little late. I've been biking around. I've been biking around town. Unfortunately, it is too hot for me to bike. I have to be somewhere, let's like a mile away. And normally I would just hop on my bike, stroll on over. If I do that, I will absolutely sweat so much to the point where I'll just be drenched by the time I get there. So first time taking the tea will be today, and I'm terrified. I have never had to use public transportation. I am very privileged. I'm very privileged in that way. I maybe will bike to avoid it. <laughs> I It intimidates me. I would be the person to get off at the wrong stop. It wouldn't be good, long story short. So a little terrified. But other than that, everything is going Everything's going pretty smooth. I actually ran for the first time today. Claps, claps, snaps, whatever the hell people do, snaps. Uh, And I did a full stride without doing like a little half jog, which is what I've been doing, a lot of walk slash running. And I'm not going to lie, building my running stamina and endurance up has been difficult. I'm always very conscious of the vibration on my back because... Obviously, I don't want to move too fast. I want to move at the pace that my body is allowing me to. That's very hard to gauge myself because, I don't know, I understand why I don't have a trainer, but at the same time, I wish, because nobody can gauge my pain or discomfort more than I can. So I'm grateful for the opportunity to explore this recovery sort of on my own. But it's been a little stressful because I just have to ask myself a series of questions every time I get nervous. And you know what? I am very grateful for the chance to restart my running journey. Hopefully I'll come back faster, better, stronger, all that goodness. And today when I finally ran, it was a relief. And then also gave me a confidence that, you know what? I can tackle the school year. I can tackle running again, even though I can't run outside until the spring, which is actually so frustrating because I am in the what seemingly is the running capital of the whole u.s i mean i'm on that charles river path and everybody is running 
and I'm just hog I'm walking and there's nothing wrong with walking I've had a deep appreciation for walking I've grown a deep appreciation for the clarity that a good walk can give you but at the same time I'm a I'm a runner I'm a runner I just want to be with my people like I I didn't join the run club at UCI because just no of course I would join the rub club here run club oh my god rub club (laughs) run club but maybe even try like the track team who knows but until then i'm treadmill bound and it's i'm very grateful and i'm also going back to soul cycle this weekend so things are looking very up on the life end no more really life life updates because we have a lot of topic to cover so first before we hit that romanticization, let's get into a hot minute because, boy, is there a lot to discuss this week. Joe Jonas divorce, Kylie Jenner and Timothy Chalamet, How I Met Your Father canceled, and more coming up next. A hot minute, a hot minute. I should come up with like a little intro song. A hot minute. I'm going to work on it. So, (laughs) a lot, a lot hitting the front page news, let me tell you. First off, being a Joe Bro myself, not even a Jonas Brother fan, Joe Bro. I consider myself one of them, despite not being at any tour shows. (laughs) I am a Joe Bro, SOS, year 3000. I know those are very mainstream, but I'm the type of person that when something's wrong in my life, let give me an example. I when I failed my driver's test the first time because I did because Pennsylvania literally sucks ass and the guy was a dick. I listened to Hannah Montana gonna get this for a week straight until I retook the test and passed. I am the type of person that anything will go wrong and I will go to the Disney Channel original movie soundtracks playlists compilations you name it I'm on it. It's in my headphones. I think that's some of the greatest music tv has ever seen and will ever see there were nothing there were there will be nothing that will ever top that that era of tv and music just all fronts of entertainment the early 2000s more like mid 2000s disney channel tv was prime of tv point blank i don't want any arguments on that front that's the way it is and if anyone has disagreement um what what shows are better than wizards of waverly plays hannah montana the Jonas Brothers spinoff, like Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, uh, Camp Rock. You telling me there was another movie that came out during that time that was brings you that brings you comfort that was better than those? No, I don't think so. If so, then you are not born in the early two thousands, and I stand on that. But anyways, Joe Jonas and Sophie Turner, yeah, Sophie Turner are getting divorced. It, this story, man, it just keeps unraveling by the day because on Friday, there were claims and speculations that he'd hired a divorce lawyer. Then over the weekend, she was seen at his show, maybe, and he was wearing his wedding ring. And then after the long weekend, bam, Monday hit, divorce announced. Emrata comments today saying it's chic to be divorced by 30 and she borderline applauds Sophie. I, You know what? I don't really know. I always say I don't know where I stand on this. Maybe I need to take more time to reflect before recording. I I feel so bad because it's Kevin and her what his wife, 
Joe Jonas and Queen Priyanka and then or Nick Jonas and Priyanka and then Joe and Sophie that's that family tree insane I understand the craziness that would come with it because not only was Sophie marrying Joe but she's also marrying the Joe Jonas name the franchise the publicity the tours now they're doing this whole the tour the rebranding their own little eras tour if you will it's probably a lot and they have two kids i just first and foremost i feel very bad for them and it's like people magazine that's a reliable magazine i don't believe that they would publish anything where joe no jonas's publicist and sophie's publicist wouldn't come together and be like okay we need to announce this how do we announce it and not only that, but they came together and drew out a strategy because they hinted at the news on Friday, let it die down over the long weekend holiday. Monday comes, everyone's bored, bam, more news drops. I mean, what a way to keep us on our toes as consumers. I applaud the publicity teams. I applaud the marketing. The PR is on full speed ahead. It's a shame, though, to have that power trio of couples break up. Plus the kids, it just seems like a whole big mess. And you know what? The public, we don't deserve the full story because it's obviously a very private matter. But you got to think why. Why their relationships, all of the couples, seemed so genuine. And I didn't see – well, I was listening to a podcast that actually addressed this the other day. And they mentioned an article when Joe Jonas and Sophie first got married – and he wanted mentioned that he wanted something of his own. Red flag. Why? Because men cannot handle a woman threatening their power, their authority. They just can't. A woman can marry a man and deal with the fact that he might be a little more successful than her. A woman is strong enough to put ego aside and say love is love. Men are not. You cannot if you're a man. You, you want to. You say you will, but you won't. And maybe that's where this divorce is coming from. But who am I to judge? Who am I to say? I have negative relationship experience, nor should not be giving any advice or statement on that matter. I really don't know what Emrata, why she's commenting on this either. I mean, yeah. Next? Whew. When there was speculation of Kylie Jenner and Timothy Chalamet, I didn't believe it. I didn't believe it for a second. I was like, Kylie Jenner, no matter how many implants she gets taken out, is she's a persona. The Kardashians are huge, as is Timothy Chalamet. But size-wise, he's a scrawny little kid, and she's woman. And I feel like he couldn't handle her, career-wise, like on all fronts. But then I saw them making out on Beyonce's birthday at the concert. And I believe it. I I didn't think there would be chemistry there. I think I speak for everybody when I say I didn't think there would be any sort of chemistry there. And it shouldn't work. In my mind, it doesn't work. But sometimes there are just those romantic connections that you don't see coming. And then you actually see them in front of you. And you're like, oh, that's, that's how that works. Okay. Now I get it a little bit. No other comments on that. I'm just, I'm genuinely confused and I'm wondering what they talk about. I have to know. 
she they're in two completely different worlds what are you talking about i mean i see how that could well okay because they're in two different worlds i could see they have a lot to share and learn from each other but at the same time what commonalities do they share like interest wise i don't know them as people but come on now let's be real on some more TV-ish related hot topic news. How I Met Your Father, the How I Met Your Mother spinoff canceled. You know what? I'm glad. Sorry, Hilary Duff. Shouldn't have been a show. Don't ruin a good thing. How I Met Your Mother was an amazing show. And when it was taken off Netflix, I was devastated. Unfortunately, every time we get to September, we're in this era where something's being taken off Netflix by New Year and we got to watch all of it. I got to look at that list because it's always sad to see classics like Hi, I Met Your Mother go off streaming platforms. It breaks my heart, but this did not. Hi, I Met Your Father. It shouldn't have been a show. I didn't watch it out of pure loyalty to the original, and I knew the acting would be terrible. Sorry, not sorry. Shouldn't have been a show. Has a right to be canceled. Lastly, on a hot minute... Some exciting news, September 8th, that is, ah, well, by the time you're listening to this, it will already be out, so go in theaters and watch my Big Fat Greek Wedding 3. I swear to God, if somebody fucked up this movie franchise because they made it political, I'm going to kill somebody. I am all for including politics to an extent in movies, but my Big Fat Greek Wedding is a classic movie franchise that is based on the fact that it will it can just make me laugh people are watching tv because they want to escape the real world not be immersed in it again i don't i don't sorry maybe that makes me sound ignorant but when i'm watching suits i don't care what's going on in the white house or what's going on with you know anything else i I just want to watch suits and escape real life for a second Does that mean I want to be uneducated? No, not at all. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying TV is meant as a distraction, as some sort of stress relief. And lately, all the modern TV I've been watching, uh, not only is the acting bad, but it's just, it's not making me laugh. It's making me stressed, if anything. I'm walking away like, ah, I wish I didn't watch that. I wish I didn't watch that. What a waste of time. And now I'm stressed. Three things that should not be thought of when watching TV. I am reading romantic comedy. That, that's why I can always rely on a good book, okay? TV, it's finicky. It's fading over time. Good books never fade. And they're always keeping it coming. And they always leave me feeling good. So, anyways, major sidetrack. But my Big Fat Greek Wedding 3 is going to be out September 8th. This is my personal endorsement to go watch it. I'm going to go watch it. I will share my thoughts next week and that is all for pop culture news this i don't want to say weeks i just said week this episode and now let's get into romanticizing academia and does it promote unrealistic productivity my experience with romanticization who who is not a little delusional i love the trend i love that being delusional is a trend That's one social media concept that's being thrown around that I'm going to hop on that train and ride it all the way back home because it's not, life is not fun if you're not a little delusional about guys, about whatever. 
I say guys because that's the only thing I can think of that I am constantly delusional about and I know every other girl is with me because why not? Why not and who isn't? When something comes with great anticipation, I am often romanticizing. For example, when I was going through the transfer process, I was glorifying a life that was not UCI. I was romanticizing it, if you will. And before school starts, everybody romanticizes school a little bit. The new school supplies, laying out the folders. We don't do that anymore because everyone just has a computer and an iPad. And I miss those days. So I went and bought myself highlighters and a few colored pens because I wanted that feeling again of just some sort of new school supply. But regardless, I find myself romanticizing the most when I feel stuck in my own life and I want to escape a little bit. Another example, when I was going through surgery, I romanticized running a lot and built it up to be this great activity that brought me joy every single time, that made me feel good every single run, when in reality, that's not the truth. Every run wasn't my best run and I didn't leave every run feeling amazing. Sometimes I felt tired. Sometimes I didn't want to run, but because I felt stuck physically, but also mentally or career-wise stuck in any aspect of life, I built up the something I could not have. We all encounter the little things edits on social media. What I mean by this is it'll just be like a nice little aesthetic song, the phone, like glancing over a nice coffee and it's just like romanticizing you grabbing a coffee. And what I mean by romanticizing is just showing extra appreciation for little things. For example, the coffee is a little thing. Being at the cafe is, some would say, a little thing. Showing more gratitude for things that aren't genuinely shown or generally shown gratitude because they're not big moments in life. And I find it interesting that our generation has strayed away, if you'd say, from putting weight on giant life moments. For example, less and less people find value in getting married anymore. And we are putting a lot of our value and appreciation on quote unquote little things that some would consider our generation just romanticizing everything. And that is a whole topic in itself that I would love to dive into. But today we're going to hone in on studying and the glorification that social media has brought to learning and school. First, before we can get into that, what is romanticizing? Obviously, I wouldn't be credible if I didn't tell you the quote-unquote definition. It is believing something is better or more interesting or more exciting than it really is. The word and the practice originally comes from Buddhism, rooted in this idea that it is your choice, a religious path, and it's a matter of taste and whatever makes you feel good, feel at peace, or whatever is whole at the moment that is valid to you. It also evolved and can be in the category of positive psychology, the concept of savoring where we intentionally attend to the present experience and specifically focus on internal or external stimuli exclusively relating to positive things. So positive psychology is a field in psychology that's not based 
on mental illness or disorders, et cetera, but it's on how our brain processes and can practice being positive. Which brings me to why. Why do we romanticize certain aspects of life? Why does our brain, why have we been, first of all, why do we romanticize it all? Why are we more honed in on certain moments? And why especially school? And what effect does this have on school? Like I mentioned, I romanticize and find myself romanticizing a lot when I feel very stuck in life, physically, mentally, career-wise, etc. We romanticize generally when we are on a quest to find happiness or fulfilling in our fulfillment in our lives, when we are not satisfied with a central part of our identity and we're seeking change. Ergo, when I was in California and I wasn't satisfied with a fundamental part of my identity, which is school. And I don't say school is in the grade. I say school is in, you know, where I'm living, what's around me, et cetera. And I'm seeking change. With that change comes new opportunity. And it is very easy to glamorize other jobs, other careers, other workout classes, other aspects of life, because we've explored this concept before that it is in our nature to want what we can't have. And especially when we are in moments of desperation and extreme loneliness, does this need for something better cloud our judgment? We may feel ready to take major leaps in life when we actually aren't. I read a story about a woman who was going to study medicine and she saw this beautiful law building and saw students and just became obsessed with essentially the glorification of academia, switched her whole profession, became a lawyer. And that's a very extreme case, but it brings me to my point where we are quick to invest emotional capital and effort into something that is most times not worthwhile. She mentioned that she would go back and continue her medical career had it not been for her dissatisfaction in her current career and then that causing her to take a large leap into a field that maybe she wasn't ready for or wasn't right for her. How does romanticization impact academic culture, learning, etc.? While I did make light of aesthetic school supply videos, they're always catching my eye. It always leaves me to strive for a level of perfectionism when it comes to grade in school, grades in school that is unrealistic. You know, I've seen a lot of study schedule videos that lay out a perfectly drawn out schedule where it's like 10 hours, but it's so spread out throughout the day. And to me, that makes no sense because I study in chunks, but I'm very easy to just write that in my calendar and jump right in. And because I want that aesthetically looking schedule and I want, you know, all my pens in a row, ducks in a row, get it? I don't know why I said that, but I want that aesthetically pleasing study life. I am not one to not romanticize at all. Lately, everybody who knows me knows that going to coffee shops, I study best when I'm around a busy environment and the coffee shop is nice to look at and I get a nice drink that was way too expensive and I swoosh it around and I set it down and I set all my books out and it's grind time. I'm like, look at me. I'm the main character. I'm studying in somewhere that's not a dingy library. I'm getting the job done. But 
not only has these romanticizations promoted perfectionist tendencies and brought out that maladaptive mindset of being perfect in school in me, but it can also lead anyone toward comparison and set productivity standards that are not realistic right out of the gate. TV, I say social media, but even TV, Hermione Granger, Rory Gilmore, are paragons of academic performance and overcommitment and are not realistic. It's not realistic for somebody to do 80 clubs and work a job and just know everything in a book. I'm watching Suits right now. Mike Ross just memorizes everything. That's That can cause somebody to romanticize academia. Hell, I said last episode, I'm watching Suits and it makes me want to study. Why? Because I'm, I'm just prone to thinking that if I study, I can reach that level. Okay, well, social media TV, it's not real. These picture-perfect moments of academia, they are not real. And when we allow them to inch their way into the goals that we have set, then what what are we doing? Because that's just going to, if anything, set us back in our goals. Because say I set, I set this goal for myself to focus on growth mindset, to focus on using verbs to applaud my effort more than the graded reward, because I think that will lead me to do better in school and have a better approach to learning in general. Now, I'm scrolling on social media. I see a bunch of videos where it's like an eight-hour study schedule and like all these A pluses. Suddenly, that, that's just out the window, right? Because I want to live this beautiful life of just succeeding in school by studying for 10 hours a day. First of all, that shouldn't be romanticized at all because it's not needed. Unless you are in medical school, law school, even then, yeah, medical law school, there's no reason for you to be studying 10 hours a day. Your brain cannot process that much information anyways. Please don't attempt it. Don't do it. I am one where I have to study for a long period of time without wavering focus. Did this happen overnight? No. No, it did not. That's just how I work. And I'm not going to post on social media my study schedule because I don't want to promote that pattern if it's not conducive nor healthy for somebody else. Romantization of these overcommitted and overachieving goals that these videos and this notion can set can not only promote comparison and increase our our motivation to be perfect when that doesn't exist, but then it sets us up for failure in a way because these standards are so unrealistic that we're going to feel dissatisfied no matter what. There's always another perfect step or more to do. And this dissatisfaction can dismotivate you, hit your self-esteem when it shouldn't have to, and cause you to incorporate school in an unhealthy way to your identity. Not only that, but it can cause a very unhealthy work-life balance because I've been there. That being said, does romanticization of STEM and academia, does it truly make life easier? And there are pros and there are cons, so let's get into it. Like I said earlier, romanticization is a practice of positive psychology. Romanticization can help facilitate a supportive environment where you are more apt to learn. 
for example, me going to a coffee shop. That is my supportive environment where I am a little delusional, thinking I'm the main character, writing all my notes. But do I retain the most information for some reason? Do I feel more motivated when that in that environment is my brain turned on? Yes. That can be attributed to romanticization. The practice of romanticizing can also serve as a form of mindfulness. I'd mentioned that it is positive psychology. And in a way, romanticizing academia and romanticization in general can be acting out of a gratitude journal. It's important to remember mindfulness is not doing nothing. I think that's a really big misconception when people think or hear of the word mindfulness, that it means doing nothing, sitting still, being in stillness, when in reality, having a blank brain is not practicing mindfulness. Mindfulness is about being aware and present with the world around you. And when we and our generation is prone to romanticizing the pens that I'm using to write, my handwriting, the way the light is reflecting on my skin, the way the light is reflecting on the pavement, the way that building is structured, you know, all these little things, you're being present in the moment and noticing things that you wouldn't have normally noticed if you were busy in an anxious cloud or you were on your phone or you were distracted in a way that you weren't present. When we're having these main character moments, we are aware of the beauty and are more attuned to our five senses around us, therefore practicing mindfulness. And in the long run, if we keep practicing it, practicing it can help reduce anxiety and depression. We find magic in mundane moments that is, again, essentially a form of gratitude. It can also serve as a way to reaffirm what you love and help you find new avenues to express your interest. For example, say I love, I love reading, right? Well, if I romanticize reading next to a brownstone, maybe I'm going to be more tempted to go and do that. And then that could lead me to find a new bookstore, which it did. And then now that is my new favorite bookstore in Boston. You never know where it could lead you. But with all these pros, keep in mind that this is romanticization of life in general. Romanticization of, in school as well. But when I say it can serve to reaffirm, reaffirm what you love to do, there are very few people in this world that love school, but it can help It can help motivate you. That's basically the one pro I want you to take away. Romanticization is good in the sense that it can help motivate you and make you more present whilst learning and feel like you're in a better environment to learn. And your memory retention and understanding may be reflected in that. That being said, there are a lot of cons. It is important to acknowledge the dark side of romanticizing. We have seen this with glorification of mental illness and depression, and I've seen too many videos glamorizing staying in bed or being sad all day, because if that's the course of action that you need to get through a funk because I've been there, by all means, go do it. But don't do it because it is quote-unquote trendy or aesthetic or I don't know why staying in bed all day would be trendy because you're upset. It's not. It shouldn't be a trend to be sad because I've been there. And it's not okay. And it shouldn't be romanticized at all. Same goes for the world of school and academics. It shouldn't be romanticized to study an unhealthy amount because, like I mentioned before, this can cause comparison, perfectionistic tendencies, when you may have never even developed those in the first place if you hadn't built up this notion of, if I study 20 hours a day, then I'm going to get 
the grade I deserve. And then when I get that grade back and it's not what I thought, there are two courses of action. You could either say, oh my gosh, like, I don't know why I thought this would work and sort of reflect on the steps that you took to study for that exam, or you can take it as a personal attack on your self-esteem and be less motivated to do school in the first place. TV and movies, while have been very helpful to raise awareness and promote conversation, unfortunately yields a different result in sensationalizing what it means to be mentally ill and anxious when it comes to school. You know, I find it really annoying that there's always a character that's quote unquote nerdy and always hitting the books and doing what they're supposed to do. And then they get into surprise, surprise, an Ivy League school when in reality, somebody can do all the work in the world and not get the result they want. And that person watching that show and has has glorified this life path, when that all comes crashing down, they have nothing because I've been there. And I know what it's like to glamorize this this life of being in school and then working really, really hard and studying the ways that I think I should be because I saw it somewhere deep on an Instagram rabbit hole. And then when I don't get the grade I want and didn't get into the school I want, it's like, what do I have? Because now I've, what was once a little romantization was then internalized set myself up for perfectionistic tendencies, unrealistic goals, and essentially set myself up to be failed because I didn't, I wasn't applauding the effort I was taking. I was just, it could also cause us to be very focused on the reward. Moving forward, I think there's a time and a place for romantization. I agree with a lot of the pros that romantization in life is a form of mindfulness and it has genuinely helped me be more present in moments and i definitely support the fact that it can be a form of gratitude and i gratitude journal and it's helped me put those gratifications that i set for the day physically into my life but i don't support when it starts attacking my self-esteem and self-worth and with romantization comes setting healthy boundaries. So if there's anything I want you to take away from this, it's that you have every right to romanticize those little coffee dates, walks in the park, painting at the beach. But when it comes to school, just you have to ask yourself, is the study schedule I'm seeing in front of me really right for me? Or am I just obsessed with the A? And Do I really need to be stuck in a library for 10 hours? Does it mean that I'm not doing school if I'm not? You need to second guess these romanticized careers and think to yourself, is it really right for you? There are so, so, so many times I have second guessed my choice in career. Why am I in neuroscience? Before I went to my first neuroscience class, I was having a little a little breakdown about that. I was very questioning. I question why I went into, that's not medicine, it's more so research, but regardless, STEM field is hard. And it's one of the most romanticized portions of academia along with law, as I have found in my research. But I always ask myself, why? Why am I romanticizing? Why? why not why am I romanticizing? Oh my God. Welcome to the city life. <laughs> but why? Why did I choose this career? Because it looked good on paper? 
because I just thought I was going to be in an episode of Grey's Anatomy one day. Why? But then I went to my first neuroscience class and I read the assigned reading in the textbook and I remembered why I chose this field and why I'm so fascinated with the brain and how it works and how it translates to our behavior and cognitive neuroscience, behavioral neuroscience, all areas of the field. I was reminded that I was interested in that, but that doesn't mean I haven't second guessed it a million and one times because of what I've seen in media, what I've heard from people, this glorification that has been set for the STEM field. So while it has been motivating and brought me out of my comfort zone, romanticizing certain study places, etc., I also have to check in with myself and my motivations toward studying and my study methods. I hope this helped set some perspective as to the different areas that you can romanticize and how it really impacts our learning and how it can unfortunately cause a maladaptive relationship with school. Please, 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 if you wouldn't mind, show some Instagram some love and share this with whoever. I don't know. I don't know. This has been really fun to research, really fun to record, and I have a lot more stuff coming your way. I hope you guys are loving the Instagram little doodads I've been posting, but if not, that's all for this week. I love everybody who listens. Thank you so much. And thank you for sitting and talking about everything all at once. I'll see you next Sunday. Bye.